Welcome to Time to Restore podcast. Join us as we engage in healing conversations from a therapy and faith perspective, exploring what it means to restore our whole selves. We would love your support, so if you would subscribe and leave a rating for us, we would really appreciate that as well. We invite you to take time with us as we consider today's topic. Hey, we are so glad that you chose to listen to Time to Restore. My name is Chrissy. I am here with my lovely friend, Kate. We are both therapeutic professionals active in our local church. We love community. We really love people. And we also, in the midst of all that, love talking about the healing process. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about boundaries. And we want to specifically focus on the idea of boundaries when it comes to children and toddlers. Yes. And so Kate's going to kind of start us off. Tell us a little bit, Kate, about what's been on your mind in this. Yes. I love this topic because I have three of my own children, two bio kids, one kinship foster. Each of my children are completely different in personality. And each situation of life we were in when we were in that infant to toddler stage has been very different. I remember when Lily was a baby and I had this schedule of eating and sleeping and it was really important to me to raise my kid up right that that she was on this schedule. One day I was just at a loss because she cried every time I tried to like do anything. If it was time to sleep she would cry. If it was time to do anything she would cry and I call Matt and I'm like, what do I do? This is not working. And he's like, well, she's not a robot. And I'm like, uh, but I really want her to be a robot because that's the only yeah. way I can know how to function. <laughs> Part of what I want to say now that I've learned some of the psychology of the brain, the development of the brain, is that no, they're not robots. They're not even computer programs. But you are, in a mm. sense, programming their brains at every point. It's just a little bit of a moving yeah. target that you have to be willing to flex and move with mm. and create boundaries. And boundaries are a moving target, particularly with infants and toddlers, because it's constant development. Being a mom myself, a lot of times I think to myself, kids are not adults kids are not adults. Like it helps ground me because I think sometimes we get frustrated with kids so quickly. A lot of times we get frustrated with kids so quickly because we forget that these are underdeveloped mm -hmm. or, or in the process of developing brains and bodies. And so there are limitations to what your child is capable of doing without your help or, or at all sometimes. And so recognizing kids are not adults. Yeah. When a child is born as an infant, their very first experience into the world is attaching to a caregiver. It is really an important process in human relationship. And to me, I'm looking at scripture, I'm looking at the way Jesus came to humanity. And it was that same approach of like, I'm attaching to you relationally, and I will take you and show you the ways of life, the ways to live. It's our job to teach. It's our job to instruct. It's not just following rules, yes. which sometimes as parents, we can yes. get stuck in teaching my kids to follow rules, especially me. I'm a one on the Enneagram. I'm a, I'm a rule follower. And obviously there's a piece to that, what you're saying, that rules, knowing how to follow rules can be a helpful thing to teach kids. Yet, I, I love what you're saying. How do we think of kids as holistic beings, which is our big thing here at, at this podcast yeah. of how do we think of not just, will you obey me? Will you learn to follow rules? But also what's it like for you to be in relationship? How do you manage your emotions? How do you manage your body? Like all these different things that make up who we are as people. And this is a little bit where I'd love to get into some of the brain stuff because 
it really helped me. I don't know if it'll help you. I'll try to be concise. First thing that I'll say about the brain is that as they're growing from infancy to toddlerhood, they start getting these growth spurts in the brain. So you have what's called dendrites, and dendrites look like tree branches or roots of trees, and they just grow out. They just kind of like spontaneously will grow out in many different directions, and then they find what to latch onto, right? And so this this is the beginning of creating neural pathways and forms of thought yeah. and behavior. And this is why boundaries are important, because as you help your young child learn their boundaries, they, you're training their brains to grow a certain way. The most interesting part of this for me was the parts of the dendrite branch that don't connect to something consistently will lose the connection and die off. And when parents, when you're inconsistent, that's why you're not seeing that behavior really start to take root, the positive behaviors that you want to take root. And what I find so interesting about this, I'm going to talk about our kinship foster daughter, a sweet little babe. We just love her. We got her at just over a year old and she came into our house and it was like a shock to all of us. The hardest part of parenting for me is early years, but I know that it's the most valuable thing that I could ever do is invest in another life, especially from those early years. Mm -hmm. So Anyway, with that yeah. in mind, we get this baby and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just try to raise her the same way I know how. All those things that I, all those tools that I had, what it kind of wasn't working. She was with us for months, six months before we had the birth to three intervention. And they came in and I'm like, see, this is the problem and this is what's going on. And birth to three, the workers are so skilled in behavioral. Like, they're like, well, why don't you show her what you want her to do? And I'm like, well, I tell her. And they're like, well, her speech is delayed and she might not understand really what. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, show her. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, but that's not teaching her to listen to me and obey, you know? And they're like, no, no, no. She doesn't get that yet. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. she would go slam the glass window and I would, if Gracie, no, like hoping that she would catch on. And they're like, we'll show her what to do, like have her point on the glass. And when they first did that, I kind of was thinking, you guys are ridiculous. You think that that's going to work <laughs> for her? And they're like, hmm. just try it. Just try it. Just try it for two weeks. If it doesn't work, we'll try something different. And I'm like, okay, I tried it. Literally, maybe three times we had to be like, point, Gracie, instead of hitting the glass, point. And she caught on, and now she never hits the glass. And I'm like, oh. Wow. But I had to deal with my own frustration. I love that story for so many reasons. How do we teach toddlers boundaries? We have to know their developmental level, the brain, like you so beautifully started to share with us, and also... What is our role in it mm -hmm. as the parent, as the caregiver, as the teacher, as the grandparent, as the Sunday school teacher, whatever your role in kids' lives are, aunt, uncle, whatever, what, what are you bringing to the table? Oftentimes, and myself included, we approach kids from this place where we're not even in check with why what they're doing is making us so angry. <laughs> yes. You want to be authoritative. You want to be able to yes. have yes. the authority that then is a collaboration where they will listen to you because they do respect you and they know that you yeah. love them. I tend towards authoritarian where I tend to want unquestioned response to my instructions. And to be honest, like that is just not going to win my kids for the long run. Like, yes, I want them to obey me and obey me quickly because usually I'm out for their best interest. 
So I'm always working sort of with myself in that. You might have a permissive parent who is around, but maybe isn't involved with any discipline or isn't involved with any rewards or any praise. Or so it's a parent that's sort of like, I'm just going to let you do whatever you want. Or you also have the one that's kind of like, well, I'm not going to be in charge at all because you do what you want. You learn from your own consequences. So there's like different ways that if we're not involved, it does leave the child subject to to figuring things out on their own, which there's room for space to learn things on your own. But where does it become equally as difficult to build a bridge of relationship because of lack of involvement right. in the opposite. Yeah, permissiveness can be just as damaging as authoritarianism because per- being permissive, you can be doing it out of a way of, I want my child to love me, so I never want to restrict them. I never want them to feel like I'm you know, putting a damper on their fun. I mean, kids are going to look disappointed sometimes, and a permissive parent may feel that they have to always give their child space because they want their child to be happy and to thrive and think back to the trees, the roots, the dendrites, like you cannot thrive if you have chaos in the connections between the neural pathways. You you have to be able to connect well and strong to the ones that are healthiest so that you can keep growing in that way for years to come. Yeah. And that goes back to attachment as well. Mm -hmm. So the ways that we respond to our kids gives them this attachment, literally thinking about like a connection, like a bond, a secure, I mean, literally secure attachment is the the greatest form of of how it even represents itself in adulthood and essentially means, okay, when I cry, do you come and and attune to my need? When I fall down and scrape my knee, is someone there to, to comfort me and help me? Like Kate's saying, the way that these neural pathways are formed through this consistent attunement, this consistent connection that allows for kids to, to form that attachment bond. A quote from the book, The Whole Brain Child says, we call this emotional connection attunement, which is how we connect deeply with another person mm-hmm. and allow them to feel felt. When parent and child are attuned into each other, they experience a sense of joining together. A lot of times where we as parents struggle to attune to kids is when they come at us with their emotions. Yes. My sister's a wonderful mom and her daughter really did not want to wear her diaper one day. <laughs> Just didn't want to. And of course, not potty trained. That would have caused consequence for everyone. The diaper had to go on. Moments later, my sister's sitting in the living room. Her two-year-old comes out and throws a clean diaper at her. And a lot of times there's this reaction that comes up at us, which makes a lot of sense. Defensiveness, anger, how dare you, that kind of feeling. Or like, this makes no sense, just wear the diaper. And my sister being so so attuned in that moment to her emotion, but also to the emotion of her daughter, looked at her daughter and said, I see that you're angry that you don't want to wear a diaper. And I am telling you that you have to. So she attuned to the emotion. She connected with the emotion that her daughter was having. And then still said to her, and you have to, like, I need you to wear a diaper. First, connect emotionally with the child so they feel felt, like that quote was saying. They feel hurt. And obviously, as adults, this is something to play out in your adult relationships, too. So creating attunement and then helping bring the holistic brain into play of, now I'm going to help you think logically about this. I'm going to help you problem solve. I'm thinking about scriptures where we're taught to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, mourn with those who Mm. mourn. And truly, it's... If you want to encourage someone else, it is God's instruction to us that he designed us to first be able to be with the person where they are emotionally. That's Mm. so important. And as a parent, we have the opportunity to help 
do that with our kids from a very young age. And help them, so that not only helps them connect with you and feel that reliance and attachment with you, it also helps them in the future become an adult that can attune to others and connect with others and from an emotional place first to then bring logic into it. Yes. And so that's even developing into their future as well Mm -hmm. and can help in the long run, right? If there's, that can help you build the kind of relationship where it's not as difficult (laughs) to, to have the kind of relationship you want with your child because you've done the hard work of, of connecting with them and attuning to them. I'm telling this story about my sister and it's like, oh, I love that response. It is hard work Mm -hmm. to have your two-year-old throw a diaper at you and go, I see that you're feeling angry. That takes a lot of back work. And so there's no shame if you, if that's not your first jolt reaction, because maybe you weren't parented like Mm -hmm. that. Maybe you were always told to do it differently. Maybe you just are exhausted because you have a two-year-old and that's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So just recognizing one, there's grace in parenting, which is so key. And also recognizing that this is where your own work needs to come into play too Mm -hmm. for you to have that awareness. And again, we talked about the internal boundaries episode. Mm -hmm. Even our first season, there's a ton of self-work that we talk about in our first season that plays a role in in parenting, in even just caring for kids. If you're a preschool teacher or a teacher's aide or watch your nephew on the weekends, like any type of caregiving relationship and how that that check-in with yourself can help you connect with those kids. Yeah. And any relationship, really, because we all need it. Oh, yeah. Oh, we do. Well, let's get, let's head into elements of self at this point, because we this kind of leads into that soul care that we're talking about and Definitely. helping to develop our children's soul. Many of us didn't get this soul care or secure attachment when we were little. And that's some of the self-work, yes. too, is going back and saying, well, what do I feel like I was maybe missing and how do I connect those things. And that is the work of therapy. I mean, honestly, that's the work of therapy. It can be spiritually integrated where you do therapeutic work with inviting God into it, using scripture of like how God really is, not how we sometimes see him in a distorted way, but like how he really is. Loving, connecting, truthful, and kind, and gentle, merciful, all those things. That leads into that spirit, right? So we're spiritually integrating our spirit life with our soul life in the healing process. What does the boundaries with infants and toddlers mean in light of our spiritual life? There's so much grace in parenting, especially when you're doing it with with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, because we are faulty. We mess up. We make mistakes. Mm -hmm. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive others. And so in the midst of that, this is where I'd really encourage you to pray for your kids and pray for yourself as a parent. There's so much power in, like it talks about in scripture, like casting your cares on the Lord, Mm -hmm. not being anxious because we give him our prayers and petitions. And so how do we give our, our kids to God on a daily basis? It's really hard because there's so much responsibility in being a parent. And so it can often feel like it's up to me to make this kid a good kid. And yes, obviously you play a role in that. And yet there is a work of God happening, especially as you pray. And so not only can you give him the burdens, give him the worries, give him the fears and trust that he'll hold them. Also, as you pray into this, like, okay, God, give give my child someone that can speak into their life in the future yes. and teach them about you. Or, or in the present, like, help me to know how to love them well when they're really doing this one thing over and over or give me peace in the midst of the chaos or, you know, asking those requests in the midst of parenting, I think is such an important part. Sometimes we take our spiritual life and our faith and we expect it 
to fix or to do the work of the soul life, the emotions Mm, and the thoughts, right? And so the boundary there is the spiritual life is our added secret ingredient, for lack of a better word. Mm. I mean, I'm more, I know it's more sacred than that. I know it's more powerful than that. But I would say it's not the same as teaching your kids what to think or like teaching them to manage their emotions. It's like this miraculous spiritual covering, anointing, leading, asking for wisdom. I remember one time my son was struggling with nightmares and it was so annoying Mm. to me. I'm just being real. It was like every night he just would freak out and it was a big ordeal putting him to bed. And I really got to the point where I was like, God, I'm, I know that he needs me to be comforting. And at the same time, this cannot keep going. I mean, it's been weeks and the kid cannot go to sleep without a huge ordeal. He gave me this idea of helping my son by giving him superhero powers. Yeah, it was like, Reese, if you could have any superhero powers, what would you have and what would you need? And he like Hmm. had this mix of powers that he had. And I was like, now picture yourself dominating that thing because it was always like a thing that he saw in his head and he just couldn't go to sleep because every time he closed his eyes, he would see the thing. And he watched himself like defeat this thing. I'm like, okay, good. And I'm like, do you know why you have those superpowers? It's because of Jesus. And so it was something he could relate to. And it's the gospel. It's like teaching your kids how to take that spiritual authority. But that's not his emotions. That's his spiritual life. His emotions are different. I've had to like walk him through breathing through his emotions. But I'm not going to only pray for his emotions. I need to know what to do to help him process his emotions and thoughts. I love, I love that story. I love how you're equipping him in a spiritual way and also like with his imagination and have this turn into something that he can do and empowering him. Another piece of this, a place we could over-spiritualize is our sin nature and our kids' sin nature. So I think sometimes it's, it's almost an easy way out. Sometimes we'll go to almost writing off the behavior as a sin in a way that disconnects us from it, that keeps us from having to have any contribution into it. Like, I'm just going to pray because like they're just being sinful right now. They're just being disrespectful because they have a sin nature. And what I've reflected on is that that is a way of keeping us out of our role as parents mm. of like, okay, let's dig in a little deeper. So like, what is it about that relationship? Or what is it about that behavior? Or what is it about like in your situation with your son, that nightmare or that situation? What maybe lack is there? What place are they not connecting their left and right brain? So trying to think about it from a a curious place instead of just writing kids off as, "Ah, well, they're sinful and one day they'll they'll understand the gospel. You have this as attunement though. You have to be attuned. Like when did that come in? When did that start? Being more like able to see the big picture and not getting caught in just the behavior. We want to also touch on body and relationships. Body is a great one. Even going back to your story about Gracie, that's a great example of body boundaries. How do I use my body in a way that brings love and be aware of the power of my body? And okay, we've also talked a lot about this idea of tickling and consent even. And what does it mean for honoring your kid's body and teaching them to, to have a boundary with their body even in those kind of ways? Right, right. If they say, stop tickling and they're laughing, stop. Even if you exactly. think they, yeah. they want you to keep going, just stop because you're teaching them when they say stop, you're going to honor that. 
and that's what yes. they should do to others as well. Exactly. Teaching them to do that to others, to know, you know, if my mom is stopping when I ask her to, then I'm going to stop when others ask me to. I think that's, that's so, so great. So let's go on to relationships. Yes. Let's talk about that. I know we kind of have been throughout because we're talking a lot about attunement and we're talking a lot about attachment, but there are also a few more things we wanted to touch base about. Yes. So relationships are really interesting at this stage of life. You have a lot of influence to teach your kids how to interact with others. Boundaries are, yes, this is okay. No, that's not okay. But it really the tone of your voice, your body, your um, emotion behind it, all of that is what fills the boundaries with meaning. And so when we enforce boundaries for our children, if you feel like you overran your boundaries. Like we keep talking and we check in with yourself, see if you're dysregulated emotionally. Well, yeah, sometimes you are going to be. Sometimes you're going to be too harsh. Okay, can you go back and maybe you need to talk through, hey, I feel like I was too harsh. I Because in your head, you realize, oh, actually, that was violating their boundary. Like they need more kindness mm-hmm. and patience than I had to give at that moment. And so it's really important to be able to talk about that. That's called repair. That's called relational repair. So just acknowledging when have I violated my boundary of kindness and calm and when have I violated my child's boundary? There's been many times where I'll talk to Lily and Reese and I'll be instructing them something or yelling about something that they've done and I'll have to go back and say, you know, I I don't disagree with what I was saying. I disagree with the way I said it and I know that that can feel really harsh and I'm sorry I want you to know I I would have liked to have said it differently um can you forgive me for that there's actually been times where Lily will come back and she'll be like it's just that you said it so harsh so I've now given her language to come back and I'll be like okay well yeah I guess I did I was angry I love that of giving giving your kids permission to be in a collaborative relationship even around how you talk to each other how you discipline, you know, get, letting her have language and also have feedback mm-hmm. and hear that feedback. Another place this goes in helping your children create boundaries with their peers or their siblings. Sometimes we're driving in the car and my son Reese likes to make lots of noise, whether he's whistling or he's tapping. And I could very easily be like, Reese, don't do that. Reese, stop doing that. But the problem with that is I'm not telling him why. And so instead it's become, hey, we're in this car all together and it's really disrespectful because we all have to share space. What I love about that too is that you're teaching him how to take in the information of the environment he's in, process what other people might be experiencing of him, and then choose what he wants to do with that. So you're teaching him how to process this, which then could be applied multiple times over. So like the next time you're in the car, you don't have to be the one who says, Reese, stop doing that. It's annoying. Instead... You might be able, you might have to cue him in still because maybe he's not even aware he's doing it, but he will be so much able to connect. Oh, oh, everyone's probably overwhelmed because we're in the car and they can't leave if I, if they're annoyed by me or, you know, trying to help him develop. And that's what we're talking about with connecting the whole brain of, I want to be making this noise or my body's making this noise and reflecting whole brain from a whole brain perspective and relational perspective on what does this mean holistically? Yeah. Oh no, I, I love it. Because you're talking about the whole brain. Is he excited about something? Does he need to tell me about what he's excited about? Is that why he's like got all that extra body energy? Does he need to breathe and calm himself down? Like, are there other things I can help him do instead of telling him to stop so he has to stifle everything? Yes. 
curiosity. I'll come back to it the rest of my life. Curiosity is so key of why might he be doing that? What might he need to understand why it's frustrating to others? Trying to help build curiosity in your kids as well as in yourself. It is so important that we teach kids how to have boundaries with each other because if they want to live in society, unless you want a society full of chaos, they cannot just do whatever they want and it's okay. It's not okay. So let's teach kids, hey, that's bothering somebody or you're violating someone else's space or you're hurting somebody by doing that because they have to grow up where they learn to respect other people. It's never too late to teach kids boundaries, even adult kids, right? Even ourselves, right? That's our whole point of this season. It's never too late to teach boundaries. And so if you're listening to this episode and are reflecting on a lot of places you'd like to make changes, you're noticing things that maybe you could have done differently when they were one, again, grace, there's a lot of grace in parenting. And so how could you take a a few nuggets from what we're throwing out there and even try to make changes of boundaries at this point? So good. So we're going to go into our reflective meditation, and we do this each episode as a way to give you opportunity to take in the information in a different way. We're going to guide you through a meditation as a way of helping to reflect on the material we've talked about, and we really encourage you to use really deep breath, breathing in your diaphragm, finding a space that's quiet if you can. If you're you know, shopping or doing something busy, this would maybe be a good time to hit pause and come back to this when you can reflect more intently. And we're gonna take some time to pause, to breathe, which is really important to allow the material to sink in deeper and reflect on this, this content in a different way. Take a nice deep breath in and let it out. Good, let's do one more in. And let it out. Now you're going to either imagine yourself as a young child, or if you're a parent or someone else who cares for children, I want you to imagine a space where you are with that child. Deep breath in. And let it out. Now, we're going to imagine that... On a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being very intense, 0 being not intense at all, we're going to imagine that something at about a 4 has taken place. You've yelled too loudly at your child, or said a harsh word, or been too quick without describing what you mean, or you're going to remember a time where that happened to you. Now ask yourself, what do you think was needed in that moment? Maybe take a minute and tune into the emotion that's happening, either with the child as an adult, or tune into the emotion that was happening as the child. Deep breath in, and let it out. Now you're going to access your creative brain and think about how it could be handled differently. Even think through if there could be a repair after. Maybe you're too hard on yourself as the parent and you need to receive that grace. Take a deep breath in. 
let it out. May you be at peace and thank you for finding Time to Restore. Thanks for listening. This podcast is not intended to take the place of medical or professional services. Please go to psychologytoday.com to search for a qualified professional in your area, or you can call and ask your insurance provider.